Hey, welcome to You Hide Me at Black. I'm Martina Abraham Zalunga. Today is our spring finale, which does not mean that our season is over. It just means that we'll be back this fall with more stories to finish out the rest of the season. So thanks for kicking it with us so far, but stay tuned for more stories this fall. Over the last few weeks, we've been raising funds to support our production. And I want to just express my gratitude and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to the dozens of people who have already made a contribution. Did you know that it takes two producers, one sound engineer, and $150 to produce one of our stories? If you've been keeping up with us this season, then you know our mission by now because we say it every week, but it's to reclaim the Black narrative. And I can't stress enough how big that mission is, and it really takes a village to keep this good thing going. So we're turning to each and every one of you for your support. If you love You Had Me at Black, if you love Black storytelling, hell, if you just love Black people, make a contribution at youhadmeatblack.com slash 100. We recently set up our contributions platform so that you can give at any time, but we do have something special lined up for those of you who are really about it, about it. So between now and May 16th, our goal is 100 contributions of $100. If you're one of those people, you'll get a special gift from the You Had Me a Black team. Now, no contribution is too small, so please just give what you can and give what you want. Alrighty, let's get into this week's story. We hear from Regine, who wakes up in the middle of the night to hear her mother screaming. She later learns that her brother experienced a traumatic brain injury, which forces her entire family to confront a new normal. Here's what happened. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Black. Right in the heart of the city. Black. Man, listen, man. Black, black. This is You Had Me at Black, and we live, baby. Me and my brother were only 13 months apart, and he was my best friend. He's been my best friend since I was born. Our bond was undeniable. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the 90s cartoon show Cat Dog, or was a cat that was connected to a dog. That's like how we were. Like, we're inseparable. We did everything together, but we like just always got on each other's nerves, like normal brother and sisters do. When I was just 12 years old, was the last time I heard my brother say my name. I said, Ray, where, where are you going? I asked my mom, Mom, where, where is Ray going? I'm thinking, it's, it's nighttime. Where can he be going? And she says, he's going to go get some CDs. So after my mom told me that Rayshawn was going to the car to get some CDs, I went to sleep. And that's when I woke up to the sound of my mom screaming like out loud. So I was nervous. I was scared. I didn't know what was going on. I ran over into the hallway, and she quickly looked at me and told me to go in my room. And then that's when she put my little sister in my room for me to watch her. So I'm like, I'm even more confused at this point. I'm like, what, what has happened? Clearly something bad has happened, but I don't know what's going on. So whatever bad is happening, is happening outside of my room. It's happening, you know, somewhere where I'm not supposed to be is what I thought. I was supposed to stay in my room, keep my little sister busy and make sure she. We don't leave this room until someone tells us. 
So a while later, I get to the hospital and I see everyone there, like almost my entire family. They were already at the hospital. So when I walked into the waiting room, it's kind of like everyone got quiet. Like they didn't want to talk about it around me. At that moment, I felt like whatever bed that I was filling, I now knew that it was about my brother because everyone was there except him. He wasn't in the rooms in any of the waiting rooms. He wasn't there. So still while being in the waiting room, people will always tell me and tell my mother around me that I didn't need to go back there, that I wasn't ready to see my brother like that. And I remember that always made me feel like I always wanted my brother to know that I was there. But because everyone else felt like I wasn't ready to go back there, I didn't go back there. They gave my mom the option to pull the cord on my brother. And they told her that if she didn't pull the cord, she would risk the chances of Rayshawn being a vegetable for his entire life. So no one never really told me what happened to my brother. I guess because I was so young, no one really, I guess, wanted to scare me or wanted me to, I guess, just know what happened to him. But as I got older, I kind of realized that his traumatic brain injury had something to do with a gunshot wound to the head. It wasn't a hard decision for my mom. My mom knew, like, I'm not giving up on my son. I'm not pulling the cord on him. So at that point, we were going to the hospital every single day. And then the days turned into weeks, and then the weeks turned into months. And we'll go to the hospital every day. Holidays, birthdays, weekends, it didn't matter. Um, I would go to school, come home. We would go to the hospital come home, eat, go to sleep, and repeat. And and as a 12-year-old girl, I didn't mind going to the hospital. It wasn't like this huge inconvenience in my life because I knew that if we kept going, that that meant Rayshawn was still here and he was still with us. And that's how life continued. It was like my new normal. So I would literally just go to the hospital with my family and I would wait in the waiting rooms while while they went back there. Some days I felt like I wanted to see him. And then other days I felt like I was too afraid to go back and see him to see what he looks like. But I always felt like I wanted him to know I was there. I didn't want him to think that I wasn't there. And I think that is what really made me start to want to go see him, like wanting to go back there. So finally, um, I told my mom, hey, mom, I want to go see Rayshawn today. I would like to go see him. So I drew him a card. And I remember walking back there and I was so, I just remember I was so scared. I was afraid. I remember I was like, I wonder what he looks like. Like, does he still look the same? So as we were walking back to his room and my mom stops me and she was like, Regine, he can't talk back to you, but he can hear you. So you can talk to him. So I walked up to him in the bed and I remember thinking like his face, his face was like puffier than Last time I seen him and his eyes were closed, but he, he had like some gloss on top of his eyes and he had like tubes and machines like hooked up and just, it seemed like everywhere they were coming on like every parts of his body. I started reading the card that I made for him and the card, it was just a picture of like two angels carrying him back down to my family. And as I was trying to describe the card to my brother, my eyes were just filled with tears and I was trying to hold him back because I wanted to seem like I was strong, you know, strong enough to see him. And, you know, I didn't want him to know that I was crying. But eventually I just started crying and I touched his hand. And I guess when I, I touched his hand and I felt I wanted some type of reassurance, I guess. I remember feeling like I wanted him to, like, 
squeeze my hand or I wanted him to do something to reassure me that everything was going to be okay, but that never happened. Like, I thought I would feel, like, relieved, like, oh, I finally get to see him. This is, like, you know, what I've been waiting for, but it wasn't really like that. I was sad, and I left his room feeling like I could, there was nothing I can do to help my brother. You know, at 12 years old, I just question, I just started to, like, question a lot of things. I was scared. I remember just being, like, like, you know, is my brother going to make it? Is everything really going to be okay? So after seeing him that first time is what really gave me the courage to continue to see him, even though it wasn't the very next day. I started to see him more often, like every other day and then every day. So after months and months of that, it was time for my brother to come home. He was coming home. He had like round the clock nurses all the time. He was still unable to do anything on his own. So he was still hooked up to his breathing machine and he still had a feeding tube. But that was like now my new normal. I would We moved to a bigger house. I was in middle school. Rayshawn started going to school every day. So he would go to the Children's Institute, which is a school um, for children with you know special needs. And then over the years, he just progressively got better. When he first came home, he had registered nurses around the clock care 24 hours. Um, fast forward, he didn't need RNs anymore. He, he started getting LPNs and he started breathing on his own. He got his trach taken out so he was able to swallow now on his own. I was excited. I was happy. Every milestone, I felt like we were like accomplishing it together. Like as a family, I was, I was happy for him. I was proud of him that he kept fighting and he chose to fight every day. So now we fast forward six years. So now it's 2011. My brother doesn't have any tubes. He is tubeless. He can eat finger foods on his own. He can sit up on his own. Um, he still could not speak, but he could laugh at his favorite movies. One of his favorite movies was Waterboy. So I will always play that for him. We will watch stiller games together. He would laugh or make noises. Um, he couldn't walk, but he would shake your hand. He can give you a hug, and he can give you a kiss. Seeing all those milestones happen for him, we were, we were always excited. I remember the first time seeing him sit up. We were all, like, around his hospital bed clapping. And for me personally, I thought I was living my best life. I had just got a job um, at a Target that was built in Pittsburgh. I was a, a cheerleader. Just got my first boyfriend. I'm a senior in high school at this point. I had my life all set out. I thought life couldn't get any better. I was happy. And then November 12th, 2011, I had to be at work at Target that morning. So my alarm went off. And I was tired. It was like a Saturday morning. So I was like, I'm just going to snooze it for five more minutes. So when I snoozed my alarm, I remember hearing a funny beeping noise. I'm like thinking in my head, like, what is that beeping? So before my alarm had time to even go off again, I hear my aunt screaming, the house is on fire. The house is on fire. I immediately jumped out my bed. I ran in the hallway, looked down the hall, and it was nothing but smoke. I was scared to death. I ran back in my room and I heard my aunt say, grab, grab a blanket, grab a blanket. I grabbed the blanket and I tried to run down the hall and I couldn't like, like the smoke was like already in my lungs. I was, I was like coughing violently. So I ran back in my room, grabbed my phone, called 911, told them my house was on fire. And before I knew it, I just jumped out the window. 
and I instantly felt pain like in my back. And I remember I was like, oh shit, like, oh shit, it was like the first two words that I could say because I was in so much pain. But it was only for like, like seconds. Like I was only in pain in my back for like seconds. So I looked down at my feet and I can instantly see them like swelling up and I knew I couldn't walk. So I crawled to the other side of the alleyway still like in pain and my phone was still intact still laying right next to me with 911 still on the line after jumping from a two-story window to me it was unbelievable that i just jumped out the window and my phone was still intact right next to me at that point i was right outside of my brother's window the firefighters came and i'm trying to direct them to my brother's room like literally i was like literally across the alley from my brother's window and I, I could, like, I saw the smoke coming out his room. I saw, like, the window had shattered. The glass was, like, on the ground. And I, as I was trying to direct them to my brother's room and tell them, like, where he was at to go get them, I heard someone screaming, like, jump, B, jump. You have to jump. I couldn't see because my mom was in the front of the house. But someone was telling my mom, to like, she had to jump out the window. So she finally jumped out the window and my, like a neighbor, he was like a crime watch person on our block. He caught her, like they both landed on the ground, but he caught her. The paramedic came and they put me on a stretcher and I was in the ambulance with my mom. So I get to the hospital and they like cut off my shirt. And I remember it smelling like cinnamon. And I told the nurse or the doctor, I'm like, it smells like cinnamon. And they tell me, like, you think it smells like cinnamon? It smells like smoke. It smells like a whole bunch of smoke in here. So after that, um, they the two there's two doctors came and they wrapped my feet up like super tight. And I remember instantly feeling like like ugh, like it feels so much better. Like the pressure was just off my feet. And I guess I'm in like a triage. Like I'm not really in a room. I'm like in a like I guess in an ER, but it's not rooms. It's just separated by curtains. So my Uncle Van was the first person I seen out of my family, like after I got my feet wrapped up and after I was in the hospital. And I asked him, I said, did my brother make it? Was the first words, first thing that I asked him. And he told me no. I was like shouting out like, no, like, no, like, don't tell me that. I was just in disbelief. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that he was gone. I couldn't believe I was in the hospital. I couldn't believe my house just caught on fire. It was like way too many like feelings just came over me at once. I couldn't, like I almost just couldn't even control myself. I was like told to calm down like by the nurses. Like you have to calm down. You have to calm down. So I was just like laying in the bed and my cousins, like everyone, at this point everyone's like coming to see me. Like my cousins came to see me. Uh, my boyfriend was, like, already there. He had, like, came in to see me. Um, and I was also, I was informed by, like, the doctors of my injuries. So I broke both of my heels. I shattered my left ankle and I fractured my spine. The fire started in the kitchen. And, like, my house, it was, like, and we first walk in is the living room, and then there was another room with the dining room, and then if you kept straight with the kitchen, all from the kitchen and the dining room was Rayshawn's room. By the time it, the fire even came upstairs, because the house was built up, not really like wide, so by the time the smoke even came upstairs to where we were at, honestly, Rayshawn probably was already dead. If he wasn't dead, he probably already had like some sort of like difficult breathing and some sort of 
you know, awareness that the house was on fire before we probably even realized it. I'm sure he did. I'm 99% sure he knew. He probably was the first person to know that the house was on fire. But he couldn't tell us. The cause of the fire came back unfounded. They don't know if it was electrical. They don't know if it was intentional. They don't know anything. Uh, I later also later found out that they had sent the firefighters in the house, but because the fire and the smoke, it was even too much for the firefighter that they ordered them to come right back out. After being in the hospital for a week, after having surgery, me and my mom had to go to a rehabilitation facility for three weeks. So I had to like learn how to like put my pants on. And I was like always just still in so much pain. And I remember telling the therapist, she was like, you have to like put your foot down to put like the pant over your foot. And I remember telling her, like, I'm never going to be able to put my foot down. Like, it's, it's too painful. I'm never going to be able to. I just have to keep this leg stretched up. I was just feeling like hopeless. I felt like, like, this, is, this cannot be my life right now. I cannot be going through this. I'm in a wheelchair. And I just, I just knew I always, I'm like, I just want to walk again. Like, I don't want to do none of this. I just want to get out the bed and I just want to walk. And that's when something clicked in my mind. Wow, I bet you my brother felt the same way. I bet he woke up every morning like I do. And I bet he felt like I just want to walk again. I bet he felt like I just want to talk again. I just want to do the things that everyone else around me can do. The day of my brother's funeral. So I knew the day was coming. But the day it came, I remember pulling up to the church and it was just like, like almost like someone has sat on my chest. Like, I guess at that moment is when I really started grieving. Because I would like cry here and there. But like the day his funeral, when we pulled up to the church, I felt something was like overcoming me. Like all the emotion that I was harboring, I was ready to just cry my life away. <laughs> and I was like scared. I was like, am I ready? I don't even think I'm ready for this. Like, I'm I'm not ready to let him go. At the end of it all, he has taught me so many things about life, so many things about fighting, so many things about, you know, just continuing to, to make a way out of no way. He taught me understanding. He taught me patience. And, like, most importantly... He taught me to believe that whatever circumstances come your way, that there is never not a way out. I feel like my brother could have died from his brain injury, but instead he chose to fight for his life day in and day out. He chose to get up every day, not knowing if he was even going to see another day, open up his eyes and take the initiative to smile. Hey, it's Martina again. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. We believe that everyone has a story to tell, and we encourage you to share yours with us at youhadmeatblack.com slash tellastory. Peace, and see you this fall.